All right, happy Easter. Take a seat. We're glad you're with us. And wow, Easter, that's a kind of a big deal, right? Uh, this is the day set apart in the year when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox, when spring begins. I looked that up this morning, just, you know, trivia question for you. Jesus' resurrection, it's, uh, there's a lot to say about it. Uh, Natalie shared a mini-sermon already, which was awesome. There, there's so much around this. One of the things I want to highlight is Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the beginning of his new creation. God's new creation that's going to continue on after this old system dies. Jesus' new creation, God's new creation, where there's a new heavens and earth, culminating in a new heavens and earth, where there is no longer a curse that we will be laboring under. No more, imagine this, because it's coming, no more sin, no more pain, no more death or disease, uh, no more of the things that we labor under now. Creation will be released from that bondage in this new heavens and new earth. Jesus' resurrected body is the first piece of that new creation. So, it's kind of big, and it's very good news. And we have the written testimony of nine different authors pointing to this event. And some of those authors point to at least 500 other eyewitnesses who saw Jesus risen from the dead. So we're on some solid ground here. One of those nine authors is Luke, and we've been looking at uh, the, the story of Jesus, uh, the good news about Jesus since January, and it's gotten to this high point where Jesus is raised from the dead. But before we die, the last message, we left off with Jesus on the cross. This picture is kind of hard to see, but you can, you can picture, you can imagine Jesus on the cross. That's where we left it off last Sunday. And I'm going to read to you from Luke about this. About 12 p.m. on that Friday, so that Friday before the East, first Easter Sunday, about 12 p.m. on that Friday, when Jesus was crucified, Luke records this. Luke 23, 44, darkness came over the whole land until 3 p.m. So darkness, maybe thick clouds, maybe an eclipse, we don't know. But darkness came over the whole land until 3 p.m. Verse 46, Jesus on the cross, bloodied and beaten, called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with that, he breathed his last. That's where we left off. Beholding the humble, loving sacrifice of God with us, Jesus in the flesh. First Peter uh, is a letter written by Peter. Peter saw this. Peter is reflecting on this a few years later. He said about Jesus on the cross, he himself bore our sins. He bore our sins in his body on the cross for a purpose, for a reason, so that we might die to sin. He died to bear the punishment we deserve for our sins so that we might die to a life lived for sin, doing what's right in our own eyes, pursuing that path. And instead of that, 
Start living for righteousness. Start doing the right thing. Start living the way God calls us to live. And those of us who have done that are in that process, this is true of us as well. By his wounds, you are healed. You are being healed. Body, spirit, soul, mind. This is what God is doing. This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So let's pick up the story there. This is Luke 23, verse 50. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council. Remember the ruling council, the Sanhedrin, the 70, who had um, handed Jesus over to be crucified. But this guy, he was a good and upright man, and he had not consented to their decision and action to crucify Jesus. He wasn't part of that decision. Going to Pilate, the governor, the Roman governor who was in charge of things there, he, Joseph, asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut out in the rock. Now, this was preparation day. That was Friday. And the Sabbath, Saturday, was about to begin. And the Sabbath, the Saturday, begins at sunset, Friday. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. And what they were going to do is go later to the tomb, rewrap it with some uh, perfumes and spices to prepare it for burial. All right, so let's capture this. Big fact number one, big cornerstone of the story is Jesus died dead. People don't survive the cross. Jesus died and was buried. Now, that, that should have been the end of the story. The Romans crucified many, many thousands of people, many thousands of Jews during this time. It was their way of saying, we are in charge. It was a humiliating death. It was how they executed people. All right? They didn't do this to Roman citizens, only non-citizens. All right? Jesus died and was buried, and that should have been the end of it. And we're, we know this story, right? Someone dies, uh, that, that seems like the end. I, I don't see him anymore. Um, and death seems to win and win and win again. But Luke and the eyewitnesses, uh, their accounts continue. Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, that's Sunday in the Jewish calendar. Sunday is the first day of the Jewish week. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman, the women, after resting on the Sabbath, they took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found something strange. Verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So the stone door is rolled away from the tomb. That's not the way it was supposed to be. This was strange. But when they entered, okay, so it's a walk-in tomb, and you go in, and it's kind of like a cave, and they have these slots where you can put these boxes uh, for the bones after the body's decomposed, all right? So they go in there, but Jesus' body is supposed to be laid out on one of these flat surfaces where it's wrapped. It was probably hastily wrapped Friday, and they expected to see it there, and they're going to rewrap the body and leave it there for a year. The body decomposes, they put the bones in the box, and they put it in the slot. That's how the Jews buried their people. All right, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The body was not there. 
Unusual, unexpected, strange. All right, let's capture it. So we already have Jesus died and was buried. Number two, Jesus' tomb was empty. Okay, this is weird. This is a little strange, but then it gets a little stranger. All right, verse four, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning. What does that look like? What's lightning look like? Bright, blinding. Wow, give me some sunglasses. All right, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, and they said to the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here in the tomb. He has risen. He has risen indeed. There it is. Yes, he has risen. All right, for those who don't know are new to church, and the response should be, all right, yeah, so now you know. Next time, right, yeah, all right. Okay, so this is an unusual event. Angels appear at key moments in God's redemptive story. It's not a typical thing. Maybe a few of you have seen an angel, but it's very rare. And this news is big. So the women go back. They run to where the disciples are hiding out because they're still afraid what's going to happen to them because their leader was just crucified. All right. So they go report to the disciples and classic verse, verse 11. But the disciples, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Which is fair, right? This is spectacularly weird stuff. This is, this is strange. This is not the way it happens. We saw Jesus crucified, his bloodied, torn up, dead body on the cross, pulled down, wrapped up, put away. And you're telling me that you saw some angels and they said he has risen. All right? Skeptics, anybody? Right? The disciples themselves who walked and talked and ate with Jesus, the one who told them, hey, on the third day I'll rise again, they're in this moment skeptical because that's not the way it typically works. But Peter is going to teach us a lesson here. Verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Not just walked, but ran to the tomb. John, in his gospel, informs us that he ran even faster. He went with Peter, and he was the first one to the tomb. Anyway, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. So all that's there, not Jesus' body, but the strips of linen that he was wrapped in. Um, lying by themselves, and he went away. Okay, huh, this is, and he was wondering to himself what had happened. All right, there's the lesson for us. Don't just believe what you've heard about Jesus from others. Don't just, uh, don't just receive it, whatever that news is. If it lines up with scripture, yeah, believe it. But a lot of what we hear about Jesus and his resurrection, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal this week about Jesus' resurrection. It's, it's completely not aligned with what the eyewitnesses saw and reported. So I, you know, if I don't know anything about Jesus, I read this Wall Street Journal article and I think, oh, that's interesting. That's a, wasn't that uh, an unusual thing? And maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. You know, we hear all sorts of things about Jesus. We heard things about Jesus growing up. Some of us growing up in church, we heard things about Jesus that don't line up with scripture. All right, so here's a lesson for us. Go see for yourself. 
That's the next fill-in. See for yourself. When you hear something about Jesus, maybe at first it sounds like nonsense. Maybe it's unusual. Maybe it seems strange. Uh, nature doesn't work that way. Uh, the laws of nature cannot be confounded in that way. You know, go see for yourself. If, if you're here today, you're exploring Jesus, get into his words. Go see what the man said himself. Go see what the eyewitnesses, and we have several of them, say about what Jesus said. Right? See what he did. And judge it by yourself. I grew up Catholic. I didn't, I didn't really hear the Bible much. I heard a homily, you know. And at some point in high school, college, I said, nah, that's my parents' thing. Not interested. I'm going to go pursue this stuff over here. It wasn't until after college I met some Christians. I was like, hey, I kind of like these people. There's something good about them. And they keep talking about Jesus once in a while. And one of them said, hey, why don't you read the Gospel of John? Hey, there's an idea. Go back to the sources themselves and see what they say about Jesus. Listen to his words. And when I did, I saw a Jesus. I heard the words of Jesus in like high definition. I grew up kind of knowing it a little bit. It was familiar, but I was so struck by how powerful Jesus' words are. See for yourself. Okay. Now, there's more. Verse 13. More lessons, more strange events. Verse 13. Now that same day, so still Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, you know, on the third day after Jesus was crucified. Now some, that same day, two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're leaving town. They're like, ah, he's dead. All right, Sabbath is over. We're going back home. All right, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened you know, all that Jesus had done, all that they had witnessed, all that they had heard. They saw him teaching at the temple. They saw him cleanse the temple. They saw all the amazing things that he had done. So they're talking about this. They're debriefing a bit as they walk. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but incognito. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus cloaked himself somehow. I don't know. We don't know how. All right? So this, this man who came alongside them, Jesus, they didn't know this, he asked these two guys, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still with their faces downcast. They're bummed out, right? One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Like, where have you been? What things? Jesus incognito asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, at least, man. He was a prophet. He was powerful word and deed. He healed people. He opened the eyes of the blind. He did amazing things, powerful word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and our rulers handed Jesus over, handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. They crucified him. But we had hoped, had hoped, past tense, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We thought he was the promised one, the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But they crucified him. He was killed. What's their mood? 
downcast, looking downward. Next fill in, they had lost hope and left. It's over. Going back home. And that's when incognito Jesus laid into them. All right, you ready for it? Verse 25, he does this sometimes. Jesus, meek and mild, is also pretty tough sometimes. And we need it. All right, this is what he said. Verse 25, he said to them, they still know it's Jesus, but he said to them, how foolish you are. <laughs> how foolish you are. And how slow to believe. Slow to, anybody here slow to believe? All right. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Dude, Jesus fulfilled all the things that the prophets said about him, including dying on the cross, Isaiah 53, Zechariah, Psalms. Speak of him being killed. Talk about his birthplace, Micah 5. All right. How foolish you are. Did not the Messiah have to suffer? This is God's plan revealed in advance through the prophets. Have to suffer these things and then enter his glory. The path to God's glory, Jesus' glory, is through the cross, through this suffering death. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, I mean, that's a lot. Moses, that's the Torah, that's verse 5. This is like super Bible study. The prophets, there's a lot of prophets. I mean, Isaiah is huge. All right, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him. Can you imagine this? Super Bible study on the road to Emmaus, right? Uh, the word of God in the flesh walking with them, telling them about the word of God. Wow. All right, verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. So they go to the right where the village is, and Jesus is, you know, continuing on to the left. Remember, they don't realize this is Jesus, right? So they did something, though. Verse 29, but when they thought they were going to depart, they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. Isn't that an interesting little detail? Right? They didn't know it was Jesus. Listen, they didn't, they didn't connect the dots yet. But they knew that something was going on when they were talking to this guy. This super Bible study, there's more going on there that met the eye. Right? They knew something was good there, and they wanted more. Seekers out there, you are close. God is present in his people through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And if you're, out the, you're on the outside, you haven't connected the dots yet, Hang tight. You are close. You think there's something good here because there is something good here. All right? So they did something. They didn't just let him go, oh, wasn't that pleasant? No, they urge him to stay with them. This is the next fill. Another lesson for us. Don't just let Jesus go. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, that was a nice Sunday little message. Uh, I'll be back next Easter. No, don't just let Jesus go. All right, urge him to be with you. Urge him to be with you. Ask, seek, knock. Have him stay with you. Stay with him and have him stay with you. Lord God, walk with me. God, help me walk with you. I want more of you. There's something good here, and I want more of it. 
Jesus is the one thing I can think about that you cannot have too much of. We were on spring break this past week, and I had too much food. All right? I had a little bit too much sun. Those things are great. Uh, and if I, if I kept going on vacation mode, I would have been too much rest, and I would never have, like, kicked back into gear. Um, so Jesus is God with us, and you cannot have too much of him. So call on his presence wherever you are, whenever you're going through your week, Call on his presence. Come, Lord Jesus. Be with me. Help me through this. Speak to me. Give me your insight. Help me, Lord. I'm kind of frazzled here. I'm kind of freaking out. Call on him. Urge him to be with you. Don't just let him go. And when you do this, it's pretty cool because God will then give you more. You urge Jesus to stay with you. You hold on to him. He's going to give you more, and he gives these guys more. Watch this, verse 30. When he, Jesus, was at the table with them, so they're, they're, they're eating, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. That sounds familiar, right? Verse 31, because of that action, because Jesus decided to go out of incognito mode, then their eyes were opened. God opened their eyes to see him, to understand uh, him. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him and poof, he disappeared from their sight. All right? He left. And then verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? We're not we burning inside. It wasn't like a fire inside of us. What are they talking about? What, what do we know that is now? Holy Spirit. God's powerful personal presence welling up within. The spring of living water. Eternal life. Life radiating in us. God's life. That's the next villain. The Holy Spirit confirmed to them and he does it today to us. That Jesus is alive, the Holy Spirit confirms the message about Jesus, confirms that Jesus is alive, and he's Lord. Like Natalie said, it confirms for us that Jesus is Lord, that he is alive. The Holy Spirit's presence is, it happens, it, it gets stirred up where Jesus is preached, where he's honored as Lord and King. Do you remember the first time you experienced the Holy Spirit, this burning within? I see some nods. Shocking, surprising. I remember the first time. I was 23. I was at a church in Palo Alto. And wow, I never experienced this before. And what was going on, and I didn't have words for it at that moment because I didn't know much, is that God was confirming for me that he was calling me to himself. The Lord Jesus was calling me into new life. He was drawing near and this is how God decides to um, validate what he's saying about Jesus, the Holy Spirit's presence. All right, and you can pray for that. You can ask for that. All right, so they urged Jesus to stay with them. Jesus stayed, and bonus, he opened their eyes so they could recognize him, and the Holy Spirit's presence confirmed inside them what he'd been telling them about himself along the road. He's still doing that today. All right, so now, 
Now, instead of going home downcast, without hope, they turned around and went back to Jerusalem. They turn around. They go back to Jerusalem uh, to be with the other disciples. All right? Verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven. All right, so Jesus is out of the picture now. This is the twelve minus him. They found the eleven and those with them, the other disciples, the women as well, assembled together. And they were saying uh, to the two that just came in, they're saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. That's uh, Peter's other name. He's appeared to Peter. All right, so he appeared to Peter while these two guys were on the road. So things are popping. This is Easter Sunday. Jesus is appearing to the disciples at different places at different times. While they were still talking about this, in this room, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Jesus appears again. And they were startled. These other disciples that hadn't seen Jesus yet, they were startled and frightened, thinking they had saw, they had saw a ghost, right? That's, again, realistic. Yeah. But he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Why are you afraid? Why are you worried? Look at my hands. Look at my hands and my feet. Why is he pointing to his hands and feet? Yeah, he's retained, in this resurrected body, he's retained the marks of the cross. When you see Jesus face to face, when that day comes, you will see those marks in his hands and in his feet. Jesus is alive. Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. All right, these are my distinguishing marks. Touch me and see. These physical. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Jesus is alive, not like a ghost, not some shadowy, vague presence, not transparent. Next, fill in. Jesus is alive then and now in a glorified, glorified, tra changed, transformed, not the same, in a glorified physical body. Jesus' body is physical. He, he was eating and drinking with them. We will eat and drink with him one day. And Jesus' body is glorified. He's physical and he can appear and disappear whenever he wants to. Different, transformed. It was perishable, now imperishable. It was mortal, now immortal. Jesus' resurrected body that they were touching is the first piece, the first brick, the cornerstone of God's new creation. He's the firstborn from among the dead. He's the first. We're going to follow him. We're going to get these transformed bodies as well to ready us for the new heavens and new earth. All right. Jesus showed them his resurrected, glorified body, and he continued to teach them. That's what Jesus does. He's a teacher. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. The Tanakh, the three-part Hebrew scriptures. Then he opened their minds, the, the bigger group of disciples then, then he opened their minds so that they could understand scriptures. Man, you get into God's word, you start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John this week, and you get stuck, ask Jesus to open your mind, to help you. He wants to teach you. He wants to guide you in these things. He told them, this is what was written. All right, I'm going to sum it up for you, y'all, Jesus says. The Messiah, the Christ, the King, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And here I am, Jesus says. 
and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, all ethnos, all people groups all around the world beginning at Jerusalem. And that's exactly what happened. That's why in another continent, 2,000 years later, we're talking about the message today. You are witnesses of these things, he tells his disciples. I'm going to send what my father has promised, but stay in the city in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. He's talking about Pentecost when the Holy Spirit first falls in them and retains, stays in them. Verse 50, when, they, when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, Bethany's just outside of Jerusalem, he lifted his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. The one from heaven returns to heaven, the God realm. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Heck yeah. They were downcast, despairing, without hope, going home. They left worshiping him and returning to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. What difference does that event make to your life today? That was the mixer question. I'm going to throw down three things here, all right? And this is listed as number three. Jesus is God. This is a fill-in. Jesus is God. He claimed to be God. He claimed to do the things that only God could do, forgive sins. He claimed to be one with the Father. To see Jesus was to see the Father. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the God that maybe you call out to in the night and you don't really know who he is. Uh, if you're exploring Jesus, you're not quite sure. Jesus is that one. The Son of God, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. To know Jesus is to know the living creator God, the eternal one. Jesus is God, who you know and call out to in prayer. You know him. And if you're just getting to know him, know him more. Read his words. Read what he did. Become familiar with his words and his voice, his written words, and then the spirit of Christ illuminating those words to your heart and mind. Jesus is God, who you know, and call out to him in prayer. And you can call out to him anytime. He's, he's near. Sometimes we're far away, we're wandering, we forget. He's right there ready, waiting for you to turn to him, call on him, because you know him. Because he's alive. Number four, next, next significant thing about Jesus' resurrection for our life today. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And that's not just a nice little slogan, peace be with you. But peace be with you because he is with you. Because he's with you now. He's with you in that storm. He's with you when you hear that hard news. He's with you when you go into that difficult meeting, that difficult conversation. Peace be with you. Because he is with you. That's the source of our peace. In this world, you have much trouble. He's straight up about this. But take heart, I've overcome the world, and I am with you. He's with you wherever you go. Call on him. Urge him to stay with you. That's number four. Peace be with you. 
What difference does Jesus' resurrection make? It proves Jesus is God. You know, uh, you can hear him say, peace be with you. He wants to give you his peace. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever happens this week. And number five, last one, Jesus defeated death. He did not remain on the cross. Jesus defeated death and everyone who is united to him, who is in him and he is in you, will also be raised. Okay? You're secure. You are secure in God. Death will not separate you from God, from his presence, from his love. Therefore, we can live differently. Therefore, we can lay down our lives for others. Right? If you don't know, if you're not 100% confident that when you die, you're going to be with God forever, uh, that this is not it, this short little life is not it, then you will live differently. You won't have to grasp onto this life so tightly, to your things, to your time, to your agenda. You can let go. You can lay it down in obedience to Jesus and for the sake of others. You can give yourself in loving service to God and to others, just like Jesus did. Jesus knew that when he lays down his life, he would raise it up again. We have that same confidence. I'm telling you, man, if you are in Christ, you can be 100% confident that when your physical body dies, you will be raised again with God. You will go into his presence. Just like he said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. So that should change how we live, how we look at our lives. We can be generous people. We can be giving people. We can be self-sacrificing people. We can stop being consumed with ourselves and, and, you know, thinking about ourselves and our plans. And we can look out and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? I'm yours. Let's roll. Show me what you got. I'm ready to serve you and others. It's a different way of life. And the shocking thing is that when you dabble in that, when you kind of start doing that, you actually experience more life. God blesses you. He draws close to you. So let's stand with these things in mind. Thankful for Jesus' resurrection, his presence with us this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, for coming for us. We thank you, Jesus, for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, which is pay the penalty we deserve for our sins. Lord, we thank you for that that high, loving, humble sacrifice you made for us, Lord, even when we were far from you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, and we thank you that that was not the end of the story. We thank you, along with our brothers and sisters all over the world, who are praising you because you're alive, you are risen, and you are with us. We love you, Lord. We ask that you help us carry you, carry this, carry your word, your spirit into our week, God. Help us live differently, knowing that your same resurrection power that raised Jesus is in us as well. Amen.